you've got people that are walking halfway to the beach, put the chairs down, but not yet quite to the water. And you've got people that kind of run up and put their toes in the water, especially the Oregon beach, put their toes in the water and they yank back. And they're running from the foam, but they're playing with the edge of the water. Well, I think the word for tonight for you is it's time to step into the water. The word is come on in. The water's fine. And it's with great expectation that we come into tonight because I am confident after I met this couple, Mark and Julie are the real deal. They're humble. They're, they're fun to talk to. They're easy to listen to. They're easy to talk to. And they have such a gentle spirit. And there's nothing about them that's false or phony that I've seen. I just, I love these guys instantly. Wonderful, wonderful people. So having said that, in just a moment, the word tells us to show honor to whom honors due. And we have a brother here that is a vineyard pastor that came all the way from Newport, Oregon, from Coast Vineyard, Pastor Dan Sparks. Would you stand, please? This guy, this guy has been in the vineyard longer than there was color. I, th I don't know. Yeah, he's such a sweet brother and just a dear friend. So I wanted to honor him tonight. But Mark and Julie, come on up. Both of you come up for a moment. <clears throat> and can I, have, can I have the elders and some of the leaders come up? We, we love to pray for you guys before you launch. And uh, Dan, would you come up too, please, brother? Clyde, that's you too. Come on, brother. I saw that hand. We're praying for this. Oh, that was so good. Robert Henderson. Robert Henderson. I'm going to have you pray, brother. Father, hmm. oh, God, just thank you, Lord, thank you. <clears throat> I mean, we don't always know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord, and we want to give you praise, and we want to welcome your presence, and we thank you for this brother and sister from uh, Wales, Lord, that you have put it on their heart to come to the United States and reopen the Wells of Revival, Lord. We know that prayer has no shelf life. And these brothers go clear way back, brother and sister can clear way back to the Welsh Revival, Lord Jesus, and we say prayer has no shelf life. Do it again, Lord. And we bless them. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive. We praise you and thank you and listen with great expectation. Help us to jump into the water. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So good to be here in Grant's Pass. My youngest son is called Grant. So I've been quite keen to take all the photographs of the, of the name of the town, Grant's Pass, just to let him know that we're still thinking about him back home in Wales. So we have four children and, gra and six grandchildren all at home in Wales, and we're just thankful for the grace of God that enables us to do what he's called us to do. You know, he gives you that special grace to do what he's calling you to do. Some people say, how can you be so far away from your grandchildren and your children? And sometimes it's harder 
better than others. I won't lie to you. Uh, but there is that special grace of this season that God has called us to be here in the U.S. to redig those wells of revival. And I want to encourage you, we are starting to see a hunger, a fresh hunger, and a fresh outpouring of his spirit as we travel. I'm not going to say any more because you may hear from me later, but I'll be sharing tomorrow night. So come back tomorrow night. Amen. Well, it's good to be in God's house tonight. What type of people come out on a Friday night? You know that the people who are hungry, people who are expectant. Have you heard that word expectant? I posted on Facebook, come expectant. How many of you just come to church out of routine? I, I, I know I'm talking to the wrong crowd tonight because it's Friday night. Uh, and, you know, it's, sometimes you can get into a routine of thinking, okay, I, I bet, I, we better go to church. We better go and worship. We better check that off our list. And, but, you know, we've we got to come to that mindset of, God, I, I'm desperate to see you move in my life. There's, there's more that I want. And I believe that, that the expectancy and the expectation on your hearts tonight is going to be met. I believe that God has come here with a purpose you know, I, I just, I've been watching this church on live stream. Just to, we always like to check out the churches, make sure you're not too weird before we turn up, you know. <clears throat> now we saw Doug in shorts and we're like, okay, Lord, we can always work with that. I think it's, I didn't have the confidence to put shorts on myself, but, you know, I'm working on that one as well. So it's, um, but we, we've just grown to love Pastor Doug uh, and we met Sandy today and, and it's just good that, to build relationship you know, we, we didn't know Pastor Doug and Sandy, and um, the reason that, that we ended up in Grants Pass is, is that we were ministering in Indiana a few years ago, and Robert and Bob Henderson were traveling with their, their business, and they came to a, a leaders and ambassadors gathering that we were speaking at, and uh, we got c connected with Robert, and he said, I, you know, I live in Grants Pass, Oregon. Uh, are, you, are you planning to go to Oregon? And I said, well, you know, we'll go wherever God leads us to go wherever we have invitation to go and, and he said well consider coming at some point and visiting with us and then he was down then in Orlando Florida and, and we were down there at a conference and he said I'd like to introduce you to uh, a friend of mine Greg Dahl who's at a builder's um, a builder exhibition a show with his business and Greg is the worship leader that led worship tonight and so we met him in Orlando Florida and he said, oh, we'd love you to come to Grant's Pass at some point. So, you know, when God speaks to you once, you need to listen. When he speaks to you twice, then you may be, okay, Lord, is this the leading of the Lord? And um, we've been in 48 states up until this week. And, and Oregon is our 49th state to be in. And, you know, they say they keep the best wine to last when it's Jesus in the miracle business. And the last shall be first. And so we still have Alaska to go. But, but you are the last on the, on the continental United States the, on this landmass that we've actually traveled to. And, um, and then, then we, talk, we looked at our calendar and our schedule and said, well, we could, we could maybe come to Oregon in May. And, and it's worked out that we've come here now for, for this weekend. And we're expecting God to do great things. 
we really feel that God's brought us here on a divine assignment. You know, he has an assignment with your name written on it, and he has an assignment with our name written on it. God hasn't forgotten you. I, I believe that's a word for somebody tonight. God has not overlooked you. God has not forgotten. Sometimes as you have a promise from God or you have a prophetic word, and sometimes you can say, when, Lord? When is this going to happen? But, you know, Robert prayed tonight, and he said that prayers don't have a shelf life. You know, they don't go off the boil. They, they, they're not something that, that, that you pray once and then God forgets them. Sometimes his timing is not our timing. How many of you know that, that, that God is sometimes, that he feels as though he's a little bit late, but he's never late. He's always on time. It's just our expectation is that he should do it now. You know, I, I often say we live in a microwave society, but we serve a crockpot God. You know, how many of you know that, that, that sometimes our desperation is just our preparation for what God is, you know, rejection? Uh, it is something that a lot of people struggle with, but we've learned that often rejection is God's protection. God, God is saving you from a situation or a circumstance that, that you're in. And so I'm honored that people have traveled to come. Uh, we, we were in Parker, Texas, and I know you don't know where Parker, Texas is, but that's okay. Nobody knows where Grant's Pass is either. <laughs> But we know where all these places are because we travel to them, and, and we were privileged to do that. But we were in Parker, Texas. We're just north of Dallas. We were in a conference there, and we met this couple, and, and they said to us, oh, we live in Medford, Oregon. We had no idea where Medford, Oregon was. And he said, oh, we have friends, we said, who live in Grants Pass. And he said, oh, I was born in Grants Pass. And if you ever come to Grants Pass, we'd love to come and see you and visit with you. And so they go to New Song Church in Medford, and they've come, Joy Church, sorry, Joy Church in in, uh, in Medford. And so they, they've come tonight. So thank you, uh, Robert and Denise, for, for coming. And we, I feel as though we, we, we've got like groupies, you know, they're following us. We feel really faint. I think we should just take an offering and an altar call right now, and, and then we'll go home and we'll be fulfilled. And so I hope it's okay to have a little bit of fun with you this weekend. You know, I, I, I often say God has a sense of humor. Just look, look at us. He's picked us. Who on earth would have picked us? Well, somebody in heaven chose us. He chose us to be his own, and we are honored. And, and to have Pastor Dan travel all the way from Newport. Newport is, a, is the second largest city in Wales. Yeah, so there is a Newport in Wales. I'm sure your, our Newport came before yours. But, uh, but you, so, so somebody came from Newport and thought it would be a good name for your, your city. And so we're honored that you would travel. And I believe God is going to honor that tonight. I, I believe the breakthrough and the revival that God is going to deposit here tonight is something that you're not only going to carry, but you're going to deposit. Not all the way back. You know, everywhere you go, everywhere your wheel turns, I believe you're going to start to take ground from the enemy. The enemy wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And when we said we're coming to Oregon, people said to us, oh, Oregon needs Jesus. And I thought, well, I think your state needs Jesus as well, you know. Don't listen to what the media says and the news says. But, you know, how many of you know this state needs Jesus? There are people going to hell in this state. 
uh, and, and we, are, we are praying and you are praying that God would meet them and God is praying that you would meet them and you would go and, and speak to them because you are God's secret weapon to bring revival to this state and turn this state around. I want to encourage you tonight, and not just tonight, but we're speaking tomorrow night, and we're speaking Sunday morning as well. And for those of you that can make other services, I, I believe God's going to do different things in each service. I believe God has given us an anointing for revival and breakthrough. And whatever there is in your life that needs reviving, whatever there is in your life that you need breakthrough on. I know some of you have been maybe struggling with some stuff that you say, I just cannot get away from this. or I can't see breakthrough in this area in my life. I believe God's going to break that tonight. I believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to fill each and every one of you. We're going to end the service with an altar call and give you the opportunity to come up and we'll pray over you. And if the Lord gives us prophetic words, we're, we're open to, to doing that. We understand if some of you would prefer we didn't do that. That's okay. Um, but, but I just want to say to you, it doesn't matter whether you come out or not. God's going to touch your life tonight. If you're watching on live stream, you know, it's no coincidence that you're watching this live stream. I believe that God is going to touch your life as well. That's the one good thing about the technological age is that we can speak a word that the Lord has given us and go all over the world. And we can see healings and miracles and we can see salvations and rededications and we can see God move in a powerful way. But I feel that the, the, the majority of that today is going to come from you guys. I believe God's going to deposit something. I, I believe he's already started to deposit things within you. Yesterday we um, we were taken to lunch at, at the Teapot on Wheels. I'll give them a, a plug tonight. The Teapot on Wheels. Uh, and we'd never been there before. And, uh, and so we were in this uh, British tea house, for want of a better. They had British stuff there. And, uh, you know, where else do you take a British person but to a tea house in Oregon to give them a cultural experience, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure that sounded like a good idea to somebody. But... Um, I'm kidding, Robert. I'm kidding. So, <clears throat> and so we're in there, and we order our lunch, and then the waitress who goes to a church, uh, I think in Medford, the waitress goes to the church in Medford, and, and I think Robert or somebody told them, or Mark and Julia ministering this week, this weekend in Vineyard, and, and, uh, and she, oh, that's so exciting, and, and you know, they, they carry an anointing for revival and breakthrough, and anyway, she goes out to the kitchen to the owner, uh, and she tells her that we are having lunch, and we, we are ordered, and so we halfway through eating our lunch, and, and the owner comes out and tells us that she's been praying and fasting for three weeks, and believing for more of God, believing for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be heavier in her life and more impactful and more intentional about you, God. And she said, I don't think it's a coincidence that you've come to my restaurant. Would you pray for me? So in the middle of lunch, we stopped eating. We get up and we start praying and giving her words from the Lord right here in the valley, the rogue valley. And, and you know, I believe God is doing something in this valley. I, I, I was raised in the valleys of Wales. Uh, and there's something about living in a valley. You know, I think you learn most of your lessons in the valley. Those of you who've had mountaintop experiences with God, and how many of you have enjoyed that? But I think there's something about the valley experience with God that, that changes us and, and it cements something in our hearts and in the foundation of our life. 
Our ministry is called Kingdom Purpose International. Uh, and the reason we called it Kingdom Purpose International is because we believe every believer has a kingdom purpose. You, you are not a mistake. You, you are not someone who has just been tagged on to the body of Christ. You, you, God saved you with a purpose. He saved you on purpose, with a purpose, that you would be purposeful in your life, that there is something that God wants you to do that is unique, that he couldn't ask somebody else to do. There's a, a combination of your giftings and your personality type and the desires of your heart that God sees in each and every one of you. And if you will trust him tonight, uh, uh, my prayer is that God gives you revelation, that you will thrive in your kingdom purpose. It, it's, it's like the sweet spot, you know, that, that place where you feel you've come alive. You feel as though I was born to do this. Many people endure what they're doing in life, but our ministry being Kingdom Purpose International is to try and help you to thrive in your kingdom purpose. That's why Jesus came. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit, so that we would be empowered to thrive in our kingdom purpose. You know, we have a purpose to reach this world for Jesus Christ. We have a purpose to populate heaven and decimate hell. We have a purpose to take ground from the enemy. And as, as tempting as it is for us to move to Grants Pass, Oregon, God hasn't called us to move here. But he has called you to live here for a purpose. And that purpose is to extend his kingdom in this place. And if nothing else happens this weekend, I, I want you to come to an understanding that God has a purpose in your life. And that purpose is to reach the lost ar around you. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not the missionary's responsibility. It's not somebody else's responsibility. But where there is one purpose in your life, and that's to reach people for Christ. The reason that God is delayed, Jesus returning, is because there are people who are going to hell that he doesn't want to see go to hell. And you have the words of eternal life. So I, I encourage you to have that understanding as we start to speak to you tonight. So we were born in Wales. I'll, I'll just put, um, if my PowerPoint decides to work, that would be a blessing. So maybe you can restart my PowerPoint. And we'll start it again. There we are. And I feel as though, when we first came to America, I assumed that everybody knew where Wales was. Now, you're from Grants Pass, so you know what it's like when nobody knows where you're from. And then people say to you, are you English? And I say, no, I'm Welsh. And it's like, oh, it's the same thing. And I usually say, are you Mexican? And they'll say, no. And I say, well, it's, it's still America. It's, it's North America. And they say, no, no, no. We, it's a, but Wales is a country, believe it or not. And uh, in our country, I, I, I looked it up just to sort of give you a reference point. And Oregon is 12 times the size of Wales. So you could fit Wales in Oregon 12 times. That's how small our country is. And we have 3 million people is our entire population of our country. Apparently, Oregon has about 4 million people. So you have a million more people in your state than we have in our entire country. But we do have 10 million sheep in Wales. You only have 135,000 sheep. So Google tells me. I'm sure you all knew that statistic. So when you drive and you say watch for deer, we used to watch for sheep because they were everywhere when we were driving growing up. 
And so, so you know, that story of, of David, the shepherd boy, becoming king of Israel was really dear to me when I was a kid in church. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I knew a lot about sheep because they were everywhere around us. And I thought, what if God could use my life to change the world? But, you know, sometimes as a child, you have these dreams of being a superhero and flying out and changing the world. And some adult tells you that you're not never do that. You need to get an education and you need to do something else with your life. And, and, you know, I remember feeling even at a young age discouraged that maybe I could. I think the Bible says I can do these things, but the adults are telling me I can't. This is what I love about kids ministry. They, They just believe what God says. They haven't got the experience that we as adults have got that has caused us to be negative sometimes, thinking that you have to get a career first, do something else with your life first, just in case this God thing doesn't work out in your life. So Julie and I were raised in Wales, a very small country, and if any of you have heard of the Welsh revival, my grandparents... um, my grandmother died when she was 104 and a half, lived in her own house until, until a year before she passed away. And a very feisty four foot eight woman that, that um, you know, had a very good sense of humor and it rubbed off on me, I think. And, um, but she would pray for us every day and pray for me and Julie and for our ministry. And she would tell me stories of her, her parents coming in from the Welsh Revival and they would come in laughing in the Holy Spirit. And she's like, what are you laughing at? And she said, oh, God just moved tonight. And we saw miracles, signs and wonders. And so I grew up listening to those stories of what God did in a time of revival in the small country that I was from. And then I remember when I left school, I, I was interested in church. You know, I was a teenager that was in, involved. I, I led worship in our church and I was interested and I thought I wondered should I do more with my life for God and my parents said to me at the time well you better get a career first you better get a trade under you and I became an electrician when I left school and uh, I did that for a little while and then I I changed my career in my early 20s and I, I um I was in a situation where I started a company that grew very, very quickly. And I found out I was very, very good at what I did. And at 36 years of age, Julie and I were in a church service, very much like this service tonight. And the speaker asked this question, and he he said, what legacy do you want to leave behind you? And I remember, you know, my grandmother was a great... uh, she loved the King James Bible. She, she used to say to me, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, you know. I think she thought he read the King James Bible. And, and she said, the years of a man is three score years and ten. You know, that means 70. Now, I know some of you are, have already passed that tonight, and that's good. You, you, you know, you're, you're living on etern- in eternal time, so don't worry about that. But, um, but I just had this thought of I'm halfway through these 70 years of the years of a man. And I, and I remember thinking to myself at 36 years of age, I want the second half of my life to count more than the first half of my life, the, especially for God not just in what I was doing. I was very, very successful at what I was doing. And, and the speaker really challenged us, and he said, what are you investing 
your life in. You know, we all have time, talent, and treasure. They are the three resources that we have available to us. And one day we're going to be accountable for what we've done with those things when we come before the judgment seat of Christ. He's saying, what have you done with what I've given you? You, you all know the parable of the talents uh, uh, where, where the landowner comes back and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And wh- one says, I buried it. And here's the talent back you gave me. And you know the story that the talent was taken from him and it was given to the one who had multiplied it. I believe that one day God is going to call us into account as to what we've done with our lives. So at 36 years of age, Julie and I were really challenged by this understanding of what legacy are you leaving behind? Everybody that looked at our lives thought that we were successful and we were very involved in church. I'd, I'd led worship for 16 years at this point and I was got you know I'd been to thousands of prayer meetings my my grandmother would say I've been to more meetings than I've had cooked dinners she'd always tell us you know and, and I know what she meant we you know we lived in church every hour that the church was open we were at church doing something or, or other and there I am at 36 years of age and I, I suppose the career that I had and the busyness of my life and stuff and family stuff had distracted me from that thought that that God had a plan and a purpose in my life. And so the Philippians uh, chapter 1 and verse 27 says this, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's a scripture that's always challenged me, that, that what you're doing is not only worthy of the gospel, but it's worth a crucified Christ. It's worth the fact that Jesus would come and he would die for me in my place. And Julie and I were were at a stage where we're saying, what should we do with our lives? And I I don't know about you. Have you ever been in this place where you've read what Jesus said we would do as believers? And you've looked at your own life and you think, I fall far short of what Jesus said his disciples could do. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt, Lord, there must be more than this? Have you ever said to yourself, Lord, am I misreading the Bible? Am I misunderstanding what Jesus is saying? And I was at that stage at 36 years of age, and I thought, if the promises of God are true, why am I not seeing them in my life? Why am I not seeing them in the lives of my peers and the others who come to church? You know, we'd have great services. We'd have great worship. We'd have a great message. We'd have people responding to the altar call. But the reality of it was I wasn't seeing what Jesus said we would see as his disciples. Jesus said, greater things than these will you do in my name. Can you imagine those poor disciples that he said that to? You know, these fishermen and uh, this tax collector and these people. And they're looking at him saying, you've just fed the 5,000. You've just healed a blind man. You've just raised Lazarus from the dead. And you're telling us that we can do greater things than these. How many of you have ever thought, Lord, I'd just like to do the things that you did, let alone greater things than these? I, I believe we're coming to a time in history And I believe that that time is now where God wants us to do greater things for him. I believe that 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 scripture uh, is as true today as it was when Jesus spoke it first. And I think we've allowed life to distract us. And maybe our own interpretation uh, of our, our own ability to distract us from what God said we would be able to do. So Julie and I, to cut a long story short, we made a radical decision to give God a year of our life. 
And we, we said, okay, we're going to change the way we live for one year and see what God can do. See, if he can do more with our life than we have done with it, then maybe we'll change the rest of our life. And so we wanted to get rid of all the distractions in our life. And so we actually gave up our career. We sold our home and our furniture. And we got on a plane and we flew from Wales to Dallas, Texas. And we went to Christ for the Nations Bible School for one year. And we said, okay, God, here we are. Speak to us. And, you know, it, it was a year for us of uh, mixed emotions. I don't know if any of you have had a good career and given it up and realized that your identity was in the position that you had. Now, people would ask us who we were. I didn't know who I was. I knew who I'd been before, but I wasn't sure who I was in that season. And uh, there's a Bishop Harry Jackson, uh, I don't know if any of you have heard, he, he, he actually was an advisor, a Paris spiritual advisor to, Don, to Donald Trump do, during his presidency. He's from Washington, D.C., and he came to Christ for the Nations Bible School as a guest speaker for the week. And we're in an auditorium of about a thousand students from 55 different countries. And, and, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and I'm very cynical about some things that go on in charismatic churches. And I said to Julie, well, this guy's a prophetic guy, so I'm not sitting on the, on the front in the splash zone because he might pick us out. God knows where we are. Julie, like, oh, you are so cynical. And I said, listen now, listen, if God's going to speak to me, I don't want to make it so easy. I know some of you have thought of that. I know I'm not the only one, but I'm just being, can I be honest with you and vulnerable with you? And so I said to Julie, I want to sit at the back. And she said, we're not sitting at the back. We'll sit. And so there was this big like aisle halfway across the auditorium. And in, in the Bible school, they called it the Great Divide. <laughs> Spiritual people sat in front of it. And those who were just going through the motion sat behind it. And I said to Julie, let's sit behind it for once. And so we did. We sat behind it. And, and we're in this, this service. And this Bishop Harry Jackson points to me and Julie. Now, we're 36 years of age in a Bible school where the average age was between 18 and 25. So we were already old people, according to most of the students. And Bishop Harry Jackson said, I, I'd, I'd like that young lady... Uh, with the blonde hair, to come forward. And Julie was ignorant of him speaking to her, and, and he, she didn't even notice he was talking. And then he said, I like the not-so-young blonde lady. <laughs> Listen, now, I don't know if you know anything about prophetic ministry. That's probably not a good line to use <laughs> if you're identifying somebody in a congregation, okay? And I said to Julie, I think he's talking to you. And she said, and if that's your husband with you, bring him with you as well. And I'm like, oh, no. I wish I'd sat by somebody else, you know. <laughs> anyway, we came to the stage, and this, this big black prophet said to us that God sees your life. And God is going to give you a joint ministry that's going to touch many nations. And, you know, I wish I could say to you, I fell on my knees, and I said, yes, Lord, I was like, you know, I was thinking inside, how on earth is that going to happen? We've just given up our career. We've sold our house. How can we have a ministry that's going to touch many nations? But we had said to God, whatever you want to do in this, in this 12 months with our life, you can do. 
and we 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 you know as all good charismatics do we we got a transcript of the tape and we wrote down the prophecy and i thought well what do we do with this now you know, do we pray over it every day, as some people were telling us we should do? And then our pastor said, just put it in a box somewhere. If it's God, it'll happen, and if it's not, it won't. And I said, okay, I'll go with that one. And so we put it in a box and said, how are you going to do this in our lives, Lord? Well, anyway, we went on a, a missions outreach that summer to the Philippines to work with street children. We'd never been, we were 36 years of age, we'd never been overseas and worked with a ministry before and we worked with street children and we worked with a, a couple in their early 30s who, are, who were uh, missionaries from America to the Philippines and they were just loving on street children. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, these guys are just entrepreneurs. They've seen an opportunity to take somebody that everybody overlooks and they're investing in them and they're turning lives around in the, these street children in the Philippines. And I didn't think this is what missions was. I thought missions was these old people with a slideshow of this village in Africa that I never wanted to go to. They used to come and my parents would fill this little globe full of loose change. And we'd only fill it the day before they came because nothing else went in it the rest of the time. And, and, and like, you know, my mother would feel guilty and then say, you know, put five pounds in there or something just so that we've given something. And I thought, oh, I don't want to ever be one of these people with a slideshow in a church telling people about our life story. That's not what I want to be. And, and, but then I saw something in these missionaries that, that God was using their life to transform the lives of other people. And I said to Julie, I said, I don't know what we're going to do with our lives, but that's appealing to me. And we came back to the Bible school and, and we said, okay, God, if, if you want to send us somewhere, if you want to do something with our life, we prayed one of these very stupid prayers of if you open a door, we'll walk through it. Be careful what you pray, you know, because God may well take you up on it. And the next thing we find ourselves is in Zimbabwe, in Africa as missionaries. And we're on the plane thinking, what have we done? How can God use our lives? But in that season, God used us to, set, to, uh, to, to build a satellite television ministry that took the gospel into 80 million homes every week. I just wonder how many people have been touched as a result of that ministry that we built there. It's been on the air now for 18 years. And, uh, and we handed it over to locals, and they've run it really, really well in that time. And, and I just remember that day about being called to the stage by a black prophet from Washington, D.C., who says, you'll have a joint ministry that will touch many nations. Uh, and, you know, that prophecy has come through. We've been now to 34 nations and 49 U.S. states in that last 20 years. We're still giving God a year of our life to see what he will do with it. And we've come to realize that, you know, if you will invest what you have in what God, ha God wants for your life, God will do miraculous things through your life. But I've realized that one of the biggest problems in America, not just America, other nations too, but certainly one of the biggest problems in this nation is distraction. We are distracted from what God has called us to do. And I, I could go over many things tonight, and I don't want to embarrass you if you're passionate about some of the things that 
are a distraction from God's plan for your life. But, you know, we, we're in, an, in, a, in a society where everybody wants to be entertained. Everybody wants something that, that makes them feel good, makes them feel fulfilled. And I feel as though there are so many options in this nation that you can be distracted from the very one thing that God wants for your life. Really in that season, what, Julie, what God did for Julie and I was he helped us to, to shed some of the things that were distracting us in our life, things that were good things. You know, as, as I travel around America, I, I see very, very many people idolizing ministries. I, 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 you know, I, I know I'm on shaky ground today because some of you are probably big fans of some of these great ministers, but really people follow us and I, I know it's a thing you know you like to follow people but I, I, I urge you to follow Jesus first and foremost follow Jesus some people spend their entire life waiting for the next day's prophecy from an online speaker and I know some of these speakers personally and and, and I, I, I've got nothing against them they're very encouraging but as, as Greg, you know Greg said there's a book that we've been given, the Bible, that has so many words from the Lord that can speak right to your heart, that God can do something with your life. And I, and I think there's, a, there's spiritual obesity in the American church, but because people are so fat because they've consumed so much of the word and so many prophecies, and they're walking around, but they're not exercising them. They're not doing what the word says. You're hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. And Julie and I came to that stage where we said, okay, God, we are done with not doing your word. We are done with doing our own thing. We are done with having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We, we, if you said the greater things than these will we do, then we are not going to stop until we see that in our lives. Otherwise, we've missed the point of why you came and why you died and why you sent your Holy Spirit for us. Amen. I got a note here. You've forgotten to mention you have a newsletter, so I didn't want to spoil what God was saying. But we do have a newsletter, and it's on the table out there. And there's a if you've got a smartphone and you want to take a photograph, you can sign up for a, our newsletter online. But it, it, there is a, a newsletter outside. But I don't want that to distract you from what God is saying. So seven, why are we in America? I, I, I say this tonight to just to give you some context as to why we do what we're doing right now, and I hope that's okay with you. You know, the, the, the Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. Uh, our story is important. What God has done for us is important. And seven years ago, God called us to re relocate our ministry to the USA. And I'll be honest, we struggled with God's uh, call for us to come to America. And I said, Lord, why would you want us to go to America? You know, there's lots of unreached people groups around the world. And uh, at that time, we thought America was the greatest mission-sending country of the world. And then we find out that actually Brazil uh, and South Korea has overtaken America for sending missionaries. And uh, I, 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 the Lord said, I want you to go to America and redig the wells of revival in this nation and mobilize the U.S. church once again for mission. 
God wanted us to turn the face of the American church back to the one mission that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago to reach our neighbors and the nations with the gospel. I said, Lord, why would you want to send us to do that? And he, he says, you just go and see what, what I will do. And, and so Julie and I relocated. We, we moved our ministry base from Europe to America. Julie already told you we have four children and six grandchildren, and it's a big sacrifice to move a continent away from your family members. But for us, we've been now 20 years away from them. Uh, and God gives you a grace for every season that you're in. And, and I wouldn't say to you that sometimes on holiday times it's not difficult, um, but God does give you a grace in this season. And we started traveling in the U.S. six years ago. Uh, this is our seventh year of traveling. I believe there's something significant about the number seven in God's word. I believe this is a year of fulfillment. This is a year of healing. This is a year where we're going to see the promises of God released in the ministry. And we are seeing that. And for the last six years, we've traveled and we've seen many people um, come to the altars. And this is in the United States. We still travel overseas as well. And we train pastors and leaders. And uh, But this is in America I'm talking about tonight. As we travel into the USA, we are seeing altars filled everywhere we go. You know, this nation is desperate for Jesus. This nation is desperate for hope. And we carry hope. And when I say we, I don't just mean me and Julie. I mean we as the body of Christ carry the hope for the nation the hope for the world. And we are finding that the more and more we, uh, we step out and we speak to people about what Jesus is doing, the more they are responding. I don't care what the media says is happening with the church. I don't care what, what you see on television or you read in somebody's blog about what's happening to the American church. God is in the business of redeeming people. And he is not finished. He's not phased by who's in the White House. He's not phased by who the governor is of your state or what his decision is. You, know, you can read your Bible and you'll read the same type of stories time and time again that, that, that the whole nation has changed as a result of what one man in government has said, but God is not phased by that. God has a plan and a purpose to redeem mankind to himself and his plan is still on track and he wants to use you and he wants to use me. We're seeing addictions broken off people's lives as we travel. Why not because we are any great people? I, I was telling Pastor Doug, when we get up and pray, my prayer every day before I minister is, Lord, if you don't show up today, we're in trouble because this is not about us. This is about the anointing that we carry from the Holy Spirit. And we know tonight there's been times where Julie and I have felt exhausted and we've felt we've come to the end of ourselves and we've seen the most powerful services that we've ever seen. It's almost as if we've got out of the way and allowed God to do what he wanted to do. And so I want to encourage you tonight. God wants to use your life to transform the lives of others. And if you can be bold enough to say, Lord, use me, God will use you. But there's a sacrifice that you have to make. And the part of that sacrifice is for you to move out of the way. That ego that you have has to go on the back burner. That ambition that you have to be something and to be seen to be something, somebody, has to go out of the window. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, 2,000 years ago, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many of you feel that you're a gates of hell prevailing Christian? How many of you feel that, you know, the, the gates of hell, if they come up in front of you, you can say they are not going to prevail against me because I am in Christ and he is in me. Everything available to Jesus is available to me. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Therefore, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. I was in somebody's house a, a month ago, and they were watching a news program. And I said, oh, look, I can't be bothered listening to this news program. And they said, oh, no, this is one of the good ones. I said, let me tell you, there is not a good news program. There is, because all they are are criticizing somebody else. When you get into the realm of criticizing somebody else, you're going into the enemy's territory. Now, I, I don't say that some of the things they're, not, they're saying is lies. Some of the things they're saying is true about the other parties, but people start to condemn the president. Now, I'm not getting political. I can't vote. I'm on a green card. I'm not allowed to vote. I, I didn't vote for the president that's in or the one that was before that. So I'm not getting political with you. But I am saying to you tonight that the Bible says you have to honor the, the position of president. I'm not saying you have to like them. I'm not saying you have to agree with them, but you have to honor the position. And I, as I watch news programs and I listen to Christians, good Christians, and I see them on Facebook and they criticize it and they put in sarcastic memes up, all you're doing is you're opening the door to the enemy to allow him to bring criticism to be in your spirit. And I believe that it's starting to tear down the church. We've just gone through a season of COVID where, where do, we get a mac, do we wear a mask or do we not? Do we, wear, do we have a vaccine or do we not have a vaccine? There's so many things that have caused division in the church. And what has it done? It's caused good people to be critical of other people. And I wish I could say that this, these people were only the people of the world. But unfortunately, it's people in the church as well. And people get distracted from the one mission that Jesus came to give us 2,000 years ago. You know, there's a harvest with your name on it. There is a harvest that Jesus, there are people waiting for the words of eternal life that have been put on the inside of you. As we were praying at the end of November last year, and we were saying, okay, God, what do you want us to do in 2023? We were conscious that it was our seventh year of ministry in the U.S. And he gave us a mandate to travel to 23 U.S. states this year in 2023 to ignite the fires of revival and breakthrough. And we said, God, which states do you want us to go to? And he says, just allow me to open the door for you. So this, this Oregon is our sixth state this year that we'll have been to. We just got back from an eight-week ministry road trip where we drove 8,000 miles and we did six states in that time. And, and we just flew 13 hours on Wednesday uh, from Jacksonville, Florida to come uh, to Oregon. So we went from the southeast to, to the northwest in one day. And, um, you know, we had divine appointments on the planes and, and in the airports, and God used us as we were traveling. Uh, but I believe God's brought us here with a mandate this weekend. I believe God's brought us here because he wants to light a fire in you. 
he, he, I was listening to the, the one live stream of Pastor Duggan, and I heard him say, Mark and Julie have come to set your pants on fire. <clears throat> now, you have to understand that in the UK, pants are trousers. You know, we call them trousers, but what we call what pants is what you call underpants. So I had to think, now, is he say, speaking this with a British mindset or, or with an American mindset? Either way, you're going to be caught on fire tonight by, the, by, the, uh, by revival and breakthrough. <clears throat> you know, growing up in Europe, we saw how a nation and a continent that had put God first had got distracted. And churches, you know, I grew up in an area where every village had a church, a big church, you know, a grand church. And I saw how those churches were starting to get emptied. And, and uh, you'd have a, this grand architecture of a church in a village, and there would be six people, probably over 80 years of age, was their, own, their entire congregation. In 1904, the Welsh Revival, 100,000 people got saved in six months. The churches were filled, the pubs were closed, the, the police officers didn't have any, any crimes uh, to, to go out, the judges didn't have anything that they would uh, have to, to, to um, adjudicate. Uh, because such was the effect of revival. And, and then 100 years later, that church where revival broke out as an entire congregation of 16 older ladies. That's the entire congregation of that church. The cry of our heart there is, Lord, we need revival again in, us, in our nation. So we've watched how Europe has gone away from God, and we've seen how the U.S. is following Europe. And it's rapidly losing its Christian influence. You know, I, I, I'm not here to tell you all the things that's happened to America about taking prayer out of schools and the decisions. that You know what, what this nation has done. I, I don't think any of you would disagree with me that, that this nation is losing its spiritual influence that it once had. But I'm here to tell you today that there's a line being drawn and God is saying, I am going to redeem what I've put in America and I'm going to use the church. The church is going to rise up in this time. So when God says to us, 2023 is a year of revival, I believe it's not going to be something that comes from heaven, but it's going to be something that comes out of each one of us. He's going to revive the hearts of you and me. And he's going to do something impactful in this nation through us. I believe the church in America, for the biggest part, is asleep. It's asleep. It's not doing what God has called it, what it intended it to do. But I believe that God is about to move in this nation in a way that you've never seen before, a way that you've been praying for, a way that you've been longing for. And I believe the message of the Holy Spirit for you tonight is that God is going to impact your life in a way that you never imagined possible. All those things that you've cried out for, God is about to do in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. The Lord gave me this word for you. It says, Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You know, there's a progression there in our walk with the Lord. There's a progression in the way we mature in what God has done. And I believe that the word of the Lord to us in 2023 is grow up. 
Grow up in God. Put away the childish things. Put away the things that, that, that tickle our fancy, the things that cause us to, to feel as, oh, we love that. You know, I, I say this time and time again, that if your only experience of God is having a fuzzy feeling on a Sunday morning, you've missed the point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You've missed the point of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. I, you know, I love to feel the presence of God on a Sunday morning. I love to feel the presence of God as, as we were worshiping tonight and, and being in that presence. And we're saying we want more of you, Lord. And the Lord says, give me a way. Give me a way and you will have more of me than you can contain. And I encourage you as a church and as a body here in Grants Pass and the surrounding area and in Newport, I encourage you that you would say to the Lord, here I am, Lord, use me. Forget about the season that's gone behind you. Forget about the disappointments and the discouragements. God is still on the throne and his plans and his purposes will prevail. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to rescue you, and now you are part of the rescue team. You are part of the rescue team. The question I'd like to ask you tonight is, who are you rescuing? Who are you rescuing? Who is it in your life that needs Christ? Who is it in your life that needs that word of encouragement? That, you know, I just encourage you to look outside of yourself tonight. This week, look outside of yourself. Who is there that the God has put in your sphere of influence that he wants to reach? You could be the answer to somebody's prayer this weekend. You know, we, we go to, a, to that um, teapot on wheels, and we have no idea who the owners are. And then when she comes out and she says, I've been praying and fasting for three weeks, three days a week for a month, uh, and just wanting more of God. And she felt that our presence there was, was a divine appointment, that we could have gone to any restaurant in any area, but, but our host had taken us to that restaurant on that time. Why? Because God hears and he answers prayers. We prayed over in that restaurant and I felt a, a sense that, that where, where that is in Rogue River, that it is, it, you know, there's a, there's a river there that runs from there down into Grants Pass. And I, I spoke this over and I said, God's going to do something in this area. He's going to pour out his spirit through the people like yourself who's been hungry and waiting. And it's going to flood this valley. It's going to flood. It's going to take away the boulders and the restrictions and all the things that the enemy has put in the way. And God is going to wash that away by his spirit. There's going to be a new uh, sense of his presence in this place. People are going to fall on their knees and repent. And I believe God is doing that now. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 says, his grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in weakness. I know for myself, there's been times where I said, God, I can't do this. Julie and I come from a, a culture that, that really has this inferiority complex right throughout our, our nation. We've been oppressed as a culture for so many years by, the, by the, the surrounding cultures that we didn't even know that we carried an inferiority complex that was part of our culture until somebody pointed it out to us. And we were always thinking that we weren't enough 
that we didn't have what it takes. It only takes a parent in your life or, or, or some adult in your life agreeing with that lie and speaking that over you, saying you'll never amount to anything. You won't be able to do this. And all of a sudden, we are agreement. We're in agreement with the lies of the enemy over our life. And we're starting to believe, God, you could never use me. Or you, you look at speakers and look at ministers and you think, wow, I wish I could speak like that. I wish I had that anointing. I wish I could see people healed like that. And we start to think that it's about that person that's holding the microphone. And we, st- and we forget that it's not about that person at all. It's about the Holy Spirit being used on the inside of that person. And the same Holy Spirit is on the inside of you that's in, on the inside of me. It's no different at all. I'm always keen to tell every congregation that we speak to, don't wait for the next special speaker. Be the special speaker. Be the man and woman of God. Be the one that says, I'm going to pray today. I'm not going to take the nonsense of the enemy any longer. I'm going to take authority over what's going on in my neighborhood. What's going going on in my family, what's going on in my circumstance and my situation. If the kingdom of heaven lives on the inside of me, how dare the enemy bring up a barrier that would try to stop what God wants to do? Too many of us have come to that point where we think that the enemy is as strong as God in our lives. You may not say that if I asked you the question, but in reality, you think there is an enemy out there that is overpowering your family situation. And I don't, want, I don't want to undermine some of the devastating situations that I know some of you are going through. But let me tell you, if you knew who you were tonight in Christ, if you would rise up tonight and take authority over that situation and allow the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you to take authority over that situation and that circumstance, the Word says that when we, uh, when we um, submit to God and we resist the devil, he flees from us. Too many of us, first of all, don't submit to God. We think that we can just live our Christian life the way we want to live it. And then we don't resist the devil. Maybe we resist him once. But you know, the devil doesn't give up easily. He'll say, I wonder if you're serious about this. When Judy and I said, okay, we're going to give up our careers and we're going to go to the Lord, all hell broke loose in our situation. I almost feel as though the devil was thinking, let's see how serious you are about doing this. But I was at a point where I said, I am desperate to see God show up in my life. You know, I I didn't want to live a mediocre, apathetic Christian life any longer. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was, I was devastated when things would go wrong and I had no ability to put them right. And I thought, well, if the Bible is true, I should be able to do this. But for some reason, my life felt weak. How many of you felt like a weak Christian in your experience? You know, the enemy comes in and he says, see, you are God, can't change this. It wasn't until we got to that stage who says, well, we're either going to be all in or we're going to walk away from God altogether. And I I didn't want to walk away. I'd seen God do miracles. I'd seen God do wonderful things. So I knew that he could do these things. But the disappointment in my life in not seeing them in front of me on a daily basis drove me to the point of saying, I'm going to get rid of all the obstacles, get rid of all the noise around me that's stopping me hearing the voice of God. And that's how we ended up doing what we're doing today.
Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, said to the Pharisees, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. You know, one, one of the words I feel, and uh, Pastor Dan from, from Newport, I, I feel this is a word for you in Newport as well as in Grants Pass and in Medford and the other surrounding areas. There has to be a unity amongst the churches around you. There has to be a unity amongst the Christians and the believers. When you're divided against yourself, you will not stand you know, I said to you earlier, we're not political in any way, but out of interest, we watched what happened with the elections, and we could see the 50-50 split of red and blue on a map of the United States. And the first thing that came to mind was that, you know, any nation that's divided against itself will not stand. It just allows the enemy to come in and walk all over it. We had seen exactly the same in the United Kingdom. If you look at a political map of the United Kingdom, every vote that we have is a 50-50 split. And then one of them will get maybe a few more votes and then that will go through. And that person will be elected as the prime minister. And I thought, this is a nation that's divided. U.S. is a nation that's divided. The United Kingdom is a, is a nation that is divided. Why? Because the enemy is good at what he does. The enemy wants to divide you, but God wants to unify you. James 3 verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When there's disagreements, how many of you have found this with, with marriages and in your own relationships? You start disagreeing amongst yourselves. You know, sometimes you don't even know why you're disagreeing, but you're just dissatisfied with yourself. Then all of a sudden you're dissatisfied with your relationship or you're dissatisfied with your church situation, or people are overlooking me, people are not picking me to do something, or you're dissatisfied with the church, and then you start to go home and, uh, and criticize. It's like if, you, if you're on the X Factor and you've decided, I didn't like that sermon today, or the music went on too long, or I don't like those sort of songs to, to be in the worship team. And, and all of a sudden, we start to get, that we start to be critical and we start to be envying and, and strife comes in and confusion comes in and there's an evil work of the enemy that we make room for. A big part of our ministry over the last few years has been helping people to combat the lies of the enemy in their life uh, and to find and replace that with the truth of God's word. Too many people are agreeing with the lies of the enemy. You know, the, the enemy is speaking lies over your life. He's speaking lies over your family. But God is speaking truth. Sometimes the voice of the enemy can be louder than the voice of God because we've allowed situations to escalate that we feel personally or that we're struggling with. I believe this is a time where we need to get serious with God. Psalm 133 tells us that unity commands God's blessing. Unity commands God's blessing. Jesus' prayer to the Father would be that we would be one as they are one, that we would be one with someone else. 
I know there's people that, that I know in ministry that, that struggle with what we do as a ministry. Uh, and they, they look to criticize what we do. And I, I'm like, I don't know why you would want to criticize. We're advancing the kingdom. We, we just had a, a message from a church. We, we, we live on support. People support our ministry monthly. That's how we do what we do. We don't get a salary. We've lived by faith for 20 years. But um, a church leader said to us that, and we didn't ask them to support us, but they decided they wanted us to meet with their missions team. And so we met with the missions committee. And then after they said to us, we've decided we don't want to support you. I'm thinking, well, we didn't ask you to, so thanks for deciding that. Could I say, why do you not? Because we, we don't think our theology matches up with you because we think the only voice is the Bible and the Word of God. So what they're saying is the fact that we use prophecy, the fact that we pray for people and we see people healed and people delivered doesn't fit with their theology. And for, for us, you know, for a second there, I almost bit and start to get sad about this and disappointed and discouraged. I thought, well, hang on, I didn't ask for support in the first place. So you're telling me you're not going to support. Why should I be discouraged by this? But I was saddened that a church who calls themselves a church of Jesus Christ would think that, that, Je that Jesus said in, 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 that, that you know, we would do greater things than he did as his disciples. And that doesn't fit with their theology that they said, in the last days, I'll pour up my spirit and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, dream dreams and see visions. That doesn't fit with their theology. They think that stopped with the Bible, you know, 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you, that's the state of the church in America. That's not the state of the church that you're in, maybe. But the church in America needs Jesus. They need a revelation that the word of God is true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Let's stop looking for excuses as to why things are not working. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. This is Jesus talking to his first disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age how many of you know that when Jesus said all authority has been given to me therefore go what he was saying was go in the delegated authority that I have made available to you Jesus had paid the price. Jesus had won the victory. And now he's saying, I give that victory to you, that you would be victorious in your situation and in your circumstances. And now 2,000 years ago, we are those disciples that God has called and God is going to use to reach the world with the gospel. We've all been adopted into God's family. Romans 8 verse 17 says this, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We're heirs of salvation and joint heirs with Jesus. This is who we are tonight. 
We're not this sad group of people that, that are just coming to church and singing songs and listening to messages and other people are looking upon us and thinking that we're deceived. We are not those people. We are heirs of the kingdom of God tonight. The kingdom of heaven lives on the inside of us. And I, I feel like the picture, I gave a picture in Life Group last night of, of, one, of a dog coming out of water and, and shaking itself and all the droplets of water spray, you know, shake away from the dog and, 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 and spray everything. And I feel that's where the church is in 2023. We need to shake ourselves, shake off the words that have been spoken over us, Sp shake off the lies of the enemy that has held us back, shake off the words even the government would say and try and restrict what the church is able to do. You know, it has no authority over the kingdom of God. It has authority in the realm that is given authority, but the kingdom of God supersedes every situation and every circumstances. If you're not experiencing the fullness of the life that Jesus came to give you, it's because there's a battle going on for the lordship of your life. I remember seeing an illustration once of uh, some young people, and they had a stool. Uh, and the illustration went that, that, they, that, that the person sat on this stool, and, and Jesus came into the room. And, and, Jesus, and they said, oh, Jesus, we want you to be Lord of our lives. You sit on the stool. The illustration went on that, that halfway through the, the skit that they were doing, you know, all of a sudden the person sort of sliding on the school stool with Jesus and, until the very mo moment that, that Jesus slides off the stool and the person is sitting on the stool themselves. And it demonstrated the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. How many of us do that to Jesus? We say, Lord, you are Lord of all. You can do everything with my life. But then we start to take back parts of our life and parts of our experience. And I found that Jesus won't wrestle with you. Jesus is not wrestling for lordship in your life. But if you will say tonight, and I believe we're at a holy moment, if you will say tonight, Lord, if there's anything in my life, if there's anything that I need to, to stop doing, if there's anything in my life that maybe my thought life, maybe things that, I, that I, I have spent too much time investing in, that tonight I should start to say, actually, it's a great thing I've been doing, but really, God, I want the God thing for my life. I believe tonight God's going to meet you where you are at. Living a life of total surrender to God is the only way to experience the fullness of what he has made available to us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It amazes me every time we travel and we go into that um, tea place, uh, the teapot on wheels this week, and you know, to have that opportunity, we didn't even know that the owners of it were Christian. We certainly didn't know that they were praying and fasting and waiting for a word from the Lord. But, the, you know, when we work out that God would bring somebody from Grants Pass to Indiana who introduces us to somebody in, in, um, in Florida who then invites us to Grants Pass and then of all the places we could have gone, we go to, to this tea house on this day uh, and she's been praying and fasting and we end up praying 
praying with her and, and just declaring over her life. She was shaking under the power of God as we prayed for her. This wasn't a timid, you know, I think, you know, we've come here. It's not going to be a timid little prayer. Oh, Lord, bless this woman. Amen. I'm going to finish my lunch. This is, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you've brought us here today to deposit in this woman's life, we want to transfer the anointing on our life. Everything that God's given to us, we want to give away to her. Can you see the extent of how God orchestrated that situation? Can you see the lengths that God would go to, to to make a difference in one woman's life? If he'll do it for her, he'll do it for you. It's no coincidence that you're here tonight. It's no coincidence that people are watching on live stream. My insecurity always used to say, Lord, how can you use me? Why would you want to use me? There's other people that you could use. But I've learned that all God is looking is for a surrendered heart. He's looking for somebody that realizes it's not about them. It's not about how great they are. It's not about how holy they are, how dedicated they are. Sometimes we wear a badge saying, look at me. Look how great a Christian I am. The Apostle Paul himself said, you know, don't look at me. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And this is what I want to encourage you tonight. It's not about you. It's about God living on the inside of you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, one of my favorite verses says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In Matthew chapter, tw- uh, chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus' d- words was, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I believe in 2023, that statement is as true then as it was 2,000 years ago. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. My question to you tonight, are you prepared to be one of the workers? God is looking for workers tonight. I, I just feel a sense tonight of people saying, how could God use me? But if you listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 11, this is a motivating factor for Julie and I. The Apostle Paul said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of his spirit who lives in you. What is that verse saying? It's saying the power of heaven that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Resurrection power is on the inside of you. When you go into your workplace and you say, I'm fed up with the way people treat me. I'm fed up with the bad language in this place. I'm fed up with the way this, this, the atmosphere in there. As Christians, we shouldn't come under the atmosphere. We should command the atmosphere. We need to realize that resurrection power lives on the inside of us. Some of you have got home situations where maybe you've got children who are on drugs. Maybe they are not following the Lord. Maybe they're doing other things and you're thinking, how can we influence them? You forget that the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of you. And instead of giving in to them things, you take authority in that situation. Some people, you think you can shout at your children and and shout them into change, but it's not. It's about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. There's, There's the powers of the enemy is trying to influence those who you love. 
I'm sure there's people in your family who are not following the Lord today, and you don't know why they've made the choices that they've had. But you have spiritual authority in this situation, that you can start to take authority over the plan of the enemy and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I encourage you to start, stop having a pity party for your situation and wake up and realize who God has called you to, get to be. The power of heaven is not just meant for you and for me. The power of heaven is, a, is made to change atmospheres. It's, it's made to change circumstances and situations. And if we're going to see the spiritual atmosphere of Oregon changed, then the body of Christ have to rise up and realize who they are tonight. The question is, will it start with you tonight? Are you ready to receive breakthrough in your life. Julie's going to come and share a word that she feels the Lord has given to her tonight. And then we're going to open the altars and give you the opportunity to come for prayer. We don't want to keep you much longer this evening, but we do want you to receive what God has for you. I just feel like God wants to bring breakthrough. Some of you might feel like you've just been hitting a wall, just hitting a ceiling. You just can't break through. And sometimes we have to just stop the wrestling. We have to stop wrestling. You know, there's a Holy Spirit rest that, that we can enjoy when we surrender, when we fully surrender everything that we are and everything that we have to God because he can do so much more than we can. It's time for striving to cease. I just felt this is a word for you this evening. If Nikki's here, is Nikki here? Okay. Do you want to come up and just play? Thank you. Mark's given you a lot to think about and a lot to chew on. And I just want you to just take a moment with the Lord just close your eyes as I declare this word over you. Let me lead you. Are you willing to release the lesser for the greater? Sometimes we have to let some things go. Are you willing to let me lead and guide your life every single step? Every door that closes is an opportunity to see me do something greater. Even if the enemy has stolen from you, release that frustration and find excitement in what I am about to do. It's about getting our eyes back, fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He says, my ability to bless is much greater than the enemy's ability to steal from you. Never forget that. Seasons change, at times much quicker and much more abruptly than you'd like. I've seen you when your soul has been crushed and you're weighed down with discouragement. But if you will let go of the despair and relinquish your right to be mad, I will show my glory in this situation. All I ask is that you shake off the discouragement Stop asking why 
and begin to praise me. Your breakthrough is in your praise. Praise is a weapon. Declare my sovereignty and remind yourself that nothing that you place in my hand will ever go unnoticed. You cannot offer me faith and receive a curse in return. Give this situation to me and watch what I will do. And then the Lord took me to John 17, verse 10 in the Passion Translation. And we read about Jesus praying to his Father for you and me, for his disciples, before he's about to leave them. He says, all who belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. That last line hit me hard. My glory will be revealed through their surrendered lives. How surrendered is your life tonight? Are you all in? Are you all out of your schemes? your self-reliance? Are you ready to surrender all, to give it all, that his glory would be made manifest through your life? I assure you from experience that there's no better, no more fulfilling place to be than in the center of God's will for you and for you and for you. He knows everything that he's put in you. He knows every experience that you've had. He says, surely I'm with you to the end of the age. He's right there. We sang. We're seated in heavenly places. But so often we come under the spiritual atmosphere. But we're seated. I want you to change your perspective as you let go of those things that are hindrances, that are holding you back from the fullness of what God has for you in your life. And for your kingdom purpose, as you release that to him and you embrace all that he has for you, that you would know that he's always with you. You are seated in heavenly places. It's not just a song. It's the word of God to each and every one of us. We are seated. We're seated in the finished work of the cross. He's done all he knows to do. Father God sent his only son. He sent his Holy Spirit that we would be equipped and empowered to do everything that he's lined up in advance for us to do. So it's not about us. It's not about, I don't think I could do that. I am that person that said, I'm just in Bible school. I'm here for my husband. How pathetic when the power of heaven lives on the inside of me. How can I not be who God's calling me to be? How can I not do the things that he's calling me to, to do? The only way we fail him is when our eyes are on us and not on him. We are seated in heavenly places. I encourage you to rise up, to step out for this kingdom work to be done. And he chooses you. He chooses you. He chooses you in the same way that he chooses me. How precious is that? As you just take that word and that instruction, that exhortation, I feel my spirit pleading with you to be who God is calling you to be, to let go of those things that get in the way of your intimacy with him, that steal your time, 
that steal your joy, that steal your peace, because he is the Prince of Peace. The more of him we have, the more love, joy, and peace we experience, and the more authority we walk in. And the world around you needs you. The world around you, I can't touch. I can't influence the world around you. Only you can do that. And he goes with you. He takes us by the hand and he says, come on, child, let's go. Let's do this together. Let's co-labor. It's a co-mission. He does it with us. He doesn't send us out on our own. He is with us. Surely I am with you until the end of the age. I want to encourage you to press in, to hear the voice of God, and to be quick to obey, because there's no greater place to be than being part of a transformed life, being part of someone's story, being part of his story. We look back at history, especially being from the land of history, but we want to be history makers with Jesus. Will you stand with me as we draw to a close this evening? I know there's always a message behind the message when the Holy Spirit is speaking. And there's always something for everyone. But tonight can be your night of breakthrough. Your night to lay down those things that have have held you back for way too long. And to step into the fullness of everything that he has for you. I want to encourage you. Don't hold back. There's nothing special about us. It's all about him. And he wants to meet with you. We're just facilitating an encounter with Jesus tonight. All that we're doing, the worship, bringing Jesus into focus, is facilitating you encountering him in a fresh way that empowers you, that lifts you from the inside out, that gives you a holy boldness that you've never had before. Because he's calling you, each and every one of you. He's given you influence, and he wants you to use it. He chooses you tonight. He chooses you. Before we open the altars tonight, I believe God's going to bring breakthrough to your lives. If, If you need a physical healing, there's healing in the house tonight. If you need spiritual healing... Some of you are are struggling with anxiety or with stress or you're struggling with worry and things that are debilitating you and holding you back. Some of you have had a a difficult doctor's report. But before I open the altars, I'd like to ask if if Pastor Doug would come to the front. And Sandy, would you come as well? And uh, Pastor Dan, would you come to the front? I just feel there's something significant about spiritual leaders um, you know, just just in being around these people, and I, I don't know Pastor Dan, I just met him very, very briefly before the service, and I, I feel a sense that God is going to release a new level of anointing in your lives tonight. Um, I wouldn't be as arrogant as to think that we are more anointed than you are in your role. Please don't see it that way. That's not the way I feel that, that, that the kingdom works. But I do know that God does give people different anointings. And, and I feel there's, there's been situations and circumstances that you have been facing uh, as leaders. And I, I know you, this is not just talking about church. You're talking about a school education as well. You're the enemy has a plan to hold back Christian education and uh, what the church is doing. 
But you know, you, we would think that well, you know, the enemy can't succeed in that because, you know, God is greater. We would think that, but you've been in leadership long enough to know that the problem with churches it's full of people. Uh, and some, sometimes people, I, I'm allowed to say that I'm not a pastor, but you know, I, I, when we realize that sheep bite, it, it really made it difficult for us. A prophet came once from America to the UK, pulled me out of a crowd, and he said, the Lord is inoculating you against sheep bite. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I wish he did this before we took on the role of pastor. But you know, the, the, the enemy has a plan. Not everybody that comes into your church, God has brought them. How many of you, I'm sure you know that. People in our church, we would say, Lord, they're, they're either a godsend or a distraction. Help us quickly to work out who they are. But it's important that we support our leaders. Now, you may have come from a different church tonight, and, and these folks are not your leaders. But I encourage you, as we pray over these leaders, that you would bring your own leader to the Lord tonight and say, Lord, help us to support our leadership. Because as it goes with the leaders, so go it with the congregation. These guys have a responsibility. You know, what, what Sandy does with the school is a big responsibility. She, she is the gatekeeper for Christian education in, in this. It, it, and I'm sure she wouldn't want to see herself as having that big responsibility. But God has called her because she has what it takes. She has the ability to take on the enemy in that realm. And so as we pray over these leaders tonight, agree with me. Stretch out your hands if you wouldn't mind and agree with me. First, I'm gonna, gonna pray for Pastor Dan. So Father, I thank you for this brother that he would take time out of his busy schedule. I'm sure there's other places that he could have been tonight, Lord, but he would drive here for a purpose, Father. He's been purposeful and intentional tonight. Father, one thing I know is that you reward intentionality, Lord Jesus. When we humble ourselves and when we come before you and we say, Lord, I don't know why I'm here, but Lord, whatever you have for me, I, I want to take it back with me. Father, I just pray tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we bind the activity of the enemy that kills, steals, and destroys over his congregation tonight, Lord. The warring angels around his church tonight, we, we put them on alert tonight, Lord Jesus. That, Father, they are, they are fighting back the hordes of the enemy that would try and come and kill, steal, and destroy, not only in his church, but in his region tonight, Lord Jesus. Father, we're not just speaking to individuals tonight. We're speaking to those in the region, Lord. We're declaring the word of the Lord over him and his church tonight, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit in his life tonight, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just believe the Lord's bringing a refreshing to you tonight, Pastor Dan. Like, like a, a shower, like a waterfall of heaven that's opening up over you tonight. He's washing away the wounds, the words that's been spoken, the disappointments that's been uh, pointed your way like arrows fired into you as if you were just a target. The Lord says tonight, I remove those in Jesus' name. The Lord says, I just bring to you today a release, a release of frustration, a release of discouragement, a release of, a release of restriction tonight. There's been a cap 
are on your ministry, but the Lord says, I rip the lid off tonight. I rip the cap off tonight. No limits tonight in your ministry. That which the enemy has, has brought around you to limit who you are tonight. Today, I speak life into you. Life and abundance. There's an overflow that's coming in your life and in your ministry and in your church. There's an overflow that's coming. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is coming. The Lord, the Lord is repairing your heart tonight. Thank you, Father, for the heart of a lion in this pastor tonight, Lord Jesus. Bold as a lion tonight, Lord Jesus. Father, he is going to roar in his church tomorrow. 